Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Annette. And I'm And today we are on episode 29! 29! 29. Do you know the bingo term for it? No. Not me neither. Do you remember that time we played bingo in your dad's house? And I wasn't allowed to be the bingo call anymore, anymore because your brother was under him. I said a lot of dirty words. Uh, Stephen. Annette. Have you any knowledge of the Ouija board? It's a Ouija board. It is a Ouija board. I only know that because you corrected my spelling as I scribbled down. <laughs> I didn't correct your spelling. I helped uh, you spell. You I were spelling I, out loud. I know of them. I've never used one. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm open-minded by all means, but no, no, no. We crack on? Crackety crack. All horror movies start the same. Two girls, sometimes sisters, sometimes friends, settling in for a movie or a night of cramming before an exam. And then someone has the brilliant beyond brilliant idea that'll just make the night so much better. Popcorn for the movie? No. An energy drink to help stay awake all night? No. Prank calling the lads from the GAA team? No. No, instead, someone always suggests, let's get in touch with Valerie, the girl who was brutally murdered by an escaped convict in the 60s in the abandoned house down the road from Yurgaf and is now a demon trapped on a plane between the living and the dead, who's mad at the world and wants revenge on the man who killed her, but, like, might be up for a chat? Through none other than the Ouija board. The time may have been different, the time being 1848, and the method of communication may have been different, but the story was the same. Two young girls experienced something otherworldly together, and it drove the people wild. Sisters Kate and Margarita Fox from Haynesville, New York, told a neighbour about a series of knocking and thudding sounds that they heard coming from their house, and how they believed it to be a spirit. The spirit later began to communicate in a more complex way that the girls were able to understand. It revealed that its name was Charles B. Rosa, a peddler who was murdered and his body hidden in the home long before the girls' family moved in. We will no doubt cover the girls in more detail another time, but long story short, the two girls convinced their older sister and others that they were communicating with spirits. The older sister then took charge of them and managed their careers and they all enjoyed success as mediums for many years. But their popularity and fame were also causing a radical culture shift. People began to question the Christian religion and teachings of the Bible, including the fact that it banned communicating with spirits and the dead, and downright slammed mediums and other psychics. What's crazy is that in 1888, Margarita Fox confessed that the knocking and thudding sounds had been a hoax, and publicly demonstrated how they did it. But despite the confession, the interest in spiritualism continued to grow. You see, in 1865, with the Civil War ending, people were looking for answers regarding their missing loved ones, and unfortunately they weren't able to get answers the conventional way. Tragically, if a body was found with no identification on them, there was no way to know who they were, and therefore their family could not be notified of their loved one's fate, circumstances of their death or their burial place. At least half of the Civil War dead were never identified. Also in the mix of emotional trauma suffered by people in the late 1800s was the concern for their children. So many children were dying young and not yet baptised. Fearing for their eternal souls, people again had questions they could not get answers to the conventional way. According to the church, they were damned, but parents needed more than that. Spiritualists provided another way to contact lost loved ones and a connection that religion could not provide, 
but early communication was slow. You had to wait for spirits to tap on the wall or rock the table while you chanted the alphabet. Some managed to channel and write, as we covered in the Winchester episode, but automatic writing wasn't an option for everyone. The invention of the planchette was one of the earliest answers to this problem. This is a small wooden cutout with a pencil attached that those seeking the spirits would hold and the spirits could write the messages themselves. But it was challenging to make out the writings because the pencil could not be lifted. But despite the difficulty, they became hugely popular. The only time the church and the mediums rallied against the same thing was against the use of planchettes. Mediums, seeing their monopoly threatened, also warned of the dangers of amateur experimentation, but that was more for the lining of their pockets, not to save their soul from being welcomed to the underworld by Zool, the gatekeeper, who looked strangely like Sigourney Weaver. The British publication, Once a Week, published a sensational piece on planchettes in 1867. Both European and American newspapers reprinted the article, and by 1868, dozens of toy makers and booksellers were producing the toys to satisfy the insatiable demand. Kirby and Co., the undisputed kings of planchette manufacturing, claim to have sold over 200,000 units in their first season alone. But let's step back for a second, back as far as 11,000 AD China, where the first mentions of automatic writing were noted. And later, in some parts of medieval Europe, historians uncovered similar practices. So it's not new, not by a long shot. Even the Ouija board had predecessors, just known as talking boards. But let's get down to the Ouija board origin. In 1886, the Associated Press published a story about a talking board that was very popular at spiritualist gatherings across Ohio. One particular character who read the article was Charles Kinnard of Baltimore, Maryland, not a man to miss an opportunity to capitalise on the commotion. In 1890, he formed the Kinnard Novelty Company, along with local patent attorney and inventor Elijah Bond. Together they developed the board for commercial use. The naming of the board is difficult to pin down, but it depends on what you believe. One theory is that the name is based on the French and German words for yes, this would be a perfectly fine explanation if the only answer you were ever looking for from the board was yes. But the Ouija board is marked with all of the letters of the alphabet, numbers 1 to 9, and the words yes, no, hello, and goodbye. Which is nice, because if an introvert ghost is really not up for the chats, they can just say goodbye rather than admit that they would sooner run their head through a wall than be involved in your Friday night. Elijah Bond, however, tells a different story. Helen Peters, his sister-in-law and shareholder in the fledging company, also happened to be a medium. She believed that who better to name the board than the board itself? They asked the board what would it like to be named, and it replied, Ouija. When they asked what it meant, it replied, good luck. But with no tone, like, did it translate to good luck, or was the board saying, ha, good luck, suckers? Another theory is that Helen was wearing a locket at the time, containing a photograph of the English novelist Maria Louise Ramey, who she admired, who went by the pseudonym Ouida. Helen so vehemently believed in the Ouija board's power that she consulted it when some Civil War heirlooms went missing from her home. She asked it to identify the culprit. I'm not sure what she was hoping for, 
but it singled out one of her relatives and the accusation tore an irreparable rift in the family, forcing her to sell all of her stock in the company. From then on, and even on the day she died, when asked about the Ouija board, she replied the same thing. Don't play the Ouija board, it lies. Not sure even Steve Harvey could have handled this family feud, but however the board had a name. The next obstacle was for Elijah to obtain a patent to protect his investment. But to get it, the chief patent officer demanded a demonstration asking the Ouija board to spell out his name. To his surprise, the board spelled out his name. But of course, this is the kind of top secret information that only the dead would know, not at all the fact that Elijah was a local patent attorney. Either way, on the 10th of February, 1891, the patent was granted. Newspapers almost immediately started advertising. One advert saying, Ouija, the wonderful talking board, promised customers a link between the known and the unknown at just $1.50. By 1892, Charles Kennard had opened several new locations across the US and one in London because you can always count on pure, unadulterated mental torment to drive up sales. After World War I ended, sales soared as people's need to speak to their loved ones grew. Norman Rockwell's illustration of a young couple using a Ouija board took the front page of the Saturday Evening Post. That's how normal the use of the Ouija board had become. During the Great Depression in 1929, when things looked as bleak as they could be, and while most businesses were struggling to stay afloat, the Ouija board, under new ownership with the Fold Company, weren't seeing a dip in sales. The Great Depression lasted until the United States entered World War II in 1941, and you guessed it, the Ouija board was on everyone's must-have list. One department store in New York reported in a single five-month period in 1944, their store sold 50,000 Ouija boards. It seemed as though every time the world's capacity for anything good or positive came into question, so did their curiosity. 1955 saw so many troops go off to Vietnam, and the prisoners of war were only released in early 1973 as part of Operation Homecoming. I can only imagine the worry families had, not knowing if their loved ones were dead or captured. But that's where I gather that the Ouija board gave people some comfort. In 1966, the Parker brothers bought the rights to the board and with Vietnam 11 years in and race riots across the country, over 2 million boards were sold, making it the only board game to ever outsell Monopoly. But let's face it, it was branded as a board game and something that people were able to take solace from. Until 1973, when it took a turn in a completely new direction with the release of The Exorcist. For anyone, including myself, who hasn't seen the movie, which is totally fine. I mean, people literally fainted or just gave up and ran out screaming. Anyway, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, The Exorcist is about a 12-year-old girl named Reagan. Her mother, Chris, asks her early in the movie if she knows how to play the family Ouija board, as casual as you like. Long story short, Reagan is possessed by a mysterious entity and Chris seeks the help of two priests to save her. Almost overnight, the Ouija board went from an object of spiritualism that brought peace and closure to those grieving to a doorway that would lead you directly to the gates of hell. On reading this, I thought, oh, the church will love this. It's showing the board for what it truly is and someone from the church must have slipped the production company the storyline. And then I discovered, fun fact, the exorcism is based on a true story. 
Needless to say, I won't be falling down that rabbit hole, but feel free to read up on a little boy named Roland Doe. The small bit that I was able to convince myself to read was on William Peter Blatty, author of the best-selling novel The Exorcist. He had studied the unofficial diaries of the priest who attended to Roland, and during the writing process of the novel, he became obsessed with the Ouija board and the idea of demonic possession, and then some odd things started to happen. His electric typewriter started writing by itself, albeit one line of gibberish, but still. Then its home phone jumped off the hook when it rang. All things Blatty assumed might be poltergeist activity. You probably remember from our Sally House or Edinburgh Vaults episode that a poltergeist is not your typical strange feeling kind of ghost or spirit. These tend to be the more active, flinging stuff across the room kind, so I can only imagine how frightened Blatty was. It's a wonder he even continued to write the novel. Over time, the Ouija board became something far darker than its creators intended. Religious groups began denouncing it as Satan's preferred method of communication. To this day, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod expressly forbids the use of Ouija boards as they consider it a violation of the Ten Commandments. Now I know my Bible, it's open to interpretation which one you're breaking, but you could be breaking all of them, so maybe just don't use one. If you feel you can't be trusted not to, that's okay. Almogordo, New Mexico in 2001 saw a mass burning of Ouija boards by various fundamental groups, so you could do that. But I should mention the church pastor also urged parishioners to burn dozens of Harry Potter books and other types of literature and games they found offensive, so you might want to think on it a little while. Now, all the book burning and phones jumping off the hook and heads rotating 360 aside, scientists have been able to explain the Ouija board phenomenon. It's called the idiomotor effect. The planchette is simply guided by the unconscious muscular movements of participants. I know, scientists, they ruin all the fun. But it's not news. William Carpenter back in 1852 first described the effect while investigating spiritual crazes like table turning and studies done today have supported his findings. Professor Terence Hine demonstrated in 2003 that guiding a planchette with muscular exertions created an extremely powerful illusion that spirits were present. His experiments also suggested that the messages received were related to whatever was going through the subject's mind at the time. Kind of like how I'm a Gemini, but a Leo horoscope could also apply to me depending on what I'm going through. However, unless I googled the wrong Professor Terence Hind, he also described the G-spot as a sort of gynecological UFO. Much sought for, much discussed, but unverified by objective means, so I'm not sure how much fate I can put into the dear old Professor's scientific findings. One thing I read that fascinated me was that researchers at the University of British Columbia have used Ouija boards to examine how the mind processes information. For example, if a test subject were asked what the capital of New Zealand was, and they answered honestly that they didn't know, somewhere in their unconscious mind they may have heard it before, so it could be stored and not just trivia sitting at the forefront of their mind, so they might know the answer but not know that they know, you know? Scientists are only now beginning to understand the various ways the Ouija board might tap into the subconscious. But creative minds, oh, they've been taking advantage of the phenomenon for years. Pulitzer Prize winner James Merle used the Ouija board to write his epic poem, The Changing Light at Sandover. 
G.K. Chesterton, author of the Father Brown Mysteries, used a Ouija board for inspiration in his teenage years. Some of William Butler Yeats's later poetry was inspired by Ouija messages his wife received. Novelist Emily Grand Hutchings claimed that she wrote the entire Jap Heron novel by channeling Mark Twain's voice through her Ouija board. Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, claimed that his 12-step recovery program was dictated through a Ouija board by a 15th century dead monk named Boniface. Whatever your thoughts, be you a believer or a skeptic, religious or scientific, fear, grief and the psychological mob mentality can only account for so much when you hear of some of the experiences some people have shared. What about the answers that people get that can't be explained by subconscious thought? Things they could never and have never known. One thing we know for sure is don't ask questions you don't want to know the answers to. What do you think of that story? That was very good. Yeah? Yeah, that was interesting. That was kind of scary. But I like the start of the story there where you had some creepy girls. So but it's the, girls? Same of, it's the same as every horror movie. It's always two girls sitting down to watch some movies or let's get some studying done or something. Or and putting then, popcorn, also school popcorn on the... With the tinfoil yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. And then out of nowhere, someone decides, oh, let's have a seance. And I'm like, no sane person ever said mm. that and didn't live to regret it. Like, these are the people that die first in the horror movies. I'm telling you now. Yeah. Who are you asking about? Two girls. The Fox's like, sisters. Yeah. yeah. So there was Leah, Margareta... Or Margarita. Is that the forefront of Ouija board brought it forward? Kate. Kate, Kate Margarita and Leah. It wasn't miles away. Leah was the other girl, but Leah, I think, was the older sister. Mm. So, yeah, it was all a big hoax. Um, I think they did it with the like knuckle cracking and basically any knuckle you can think of, all the way down to your toes. If you can, if you can do it without somebody seeing you, they thought of it. It was incredible the following they had afterwards. Like they went on tour yeah. and they did public seances. Um, they did paid readings. It was just absolute madness. It was pandemonium, but it was the beginning of the spiritualism craze. Mm. And the fact that they kind of went, actually, it was a whole heap load of crap didn't slow down the spiritualism trend. Uh, I think if you've three witches there, you may play the three most famous witches. Where are you going with your witches? They were... Mediums. Yeah, they were... Well, I, I thought they were largest, but... <laughs> uh, the three witches from Hocus Pocus. There's only those three girls that you can actually pick. So, there's only other two real characters there that kind of came to mind and jumped out. Kinnard. Yes, Charles he, Kinnard. Yeah, Tom Holland. Young. Yeah. yeah interesting. Trying to get his patent across. I can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you know what's really weird? The patent got passed. Like, it, it, it's something that they have to grant. The patent got granted. Your man was so freaked out. He didn't even put the proper paperwork through. But he was just kind of like, here, take take it. Bye-bye. Take See you later. <laughs> and what was your man? Blatty? Uh, he's the novel. He's the, the novelist. He is the author of The Exorcist. Yeah. So uh, The I... Exorcist kind of got big before the movie even came out. So the idea of the Ouija board was really only in the the literary community, I suppose, mm. people who were actually reading books in the 70s or yeah. 60s, it would have been when the book came out, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, that poor man, I felt so bad for him because he was adamant to get this book written and all this stuff just kept happening. Like, can you imagine sitting down reading the diaries of a priest who was looking after a little boy who was possessed? No, I could not. Jack Goblin. Yes, yes, definitely. And it would be a sort of a, a comic take on it I think yeah I think it would uh, well uh, I mean it's him so I have, now 
the Ouija board. Yes. You said the Ouija board. No, no, no. The Ouija board yeah. <laughs> has certain things on it. So it has the Ouija board title on it. Yeah. It has letters. All the a, letters. All the letters. It has yes, no. Hello and, and goodbye. Hello, good boy. And has, Some of them have hello. Not all of them have hello. And it has a one to nine. Uh-huh. What about a zero? What about a zero? How do you do, say, ten or a hundred? You don't. You're limited. Yeah. I mean, ghosts have to have some sort of challenges, I suppose. I mean, trying to come across the spectrum. Or you expect it to just, like, know that you're talking about numerical digits and then use the zero on I don't the know. O. Maybe. Maybe. I know that everything has a particular, like, I mean, you can literally draw one of these on paper. I am not suggesting that anyone do this, but you can draw one out on paper and use something as a planchette as long as it glides over. But I suppose, um, oh, I started watching Stranger Things. Yay! Um, Like the episode that we were watching yesterday. That was a, a, a very old form of divination where, remember I was saying, at the beginning, it was really slow because you'd have to chant out the alphabet and you'd have to wait to listen to hear if a ghost knocked on the table or okay, on the so wall. Describe the scene then. Oh, have? so the scene was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down to Z, written across yes. the wall, and the lights were lined up. Actually, she already had the lights on the wall, so then she lined up the letters to correspond mm-hmm. with individual lights. Um, that is a form of divination. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's used today or not, but... It would be a form of divination or a way to communicate with spirits. Mm. But the reason goodbye is there is because a lot of people don't know this. The Ouija board comes with a set of rules. Yeah. And you have to, have to, have to, have to, whatever questions you ask, whatever demon you annoy or vex, you have to say goodbye. You cannot ask, is it okay if we say goodbye now? You have to sternly say goodbye. Otherwise, you leave that plane wide open and demons just be flying out of the board, and you, you're you're gone. So you don't even know. Then, then your next call is the Ghostbusters. Exactly. Dan Aykroyd and crew. Exactly. And I don't know if there's a whole lot that they can do. And those men are only capable of so much, Stephen. I really, I think you're asking a lot of them. It'll be New York all over again. Yeah, I know. Slimer um, everywhere. It took me years to realize at the port or watching the Titanic pull in. Like it's a bit late, but. You know, at least it got here. And I, I, I was too young when I watched it when I was really, really young. And now I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I get it now. Um, I have some interesting facts if you are finished with your characters. Hit me with some. Okay. They're, Wait, they're... we need an old woman. We do need an old an woman. An old woman in the story. Oh, uh, so we've got the, the Hocus tree... Pocus crew for the Tree Sisters. Yeah. You picked Tom Holland. Why am I telling you who you picked? You picked Tom Holland for right. Kennard. Yeah. And no, for... you picked Tom Holland for Elijah Bond. He was the one who had to get the patent. Yeah, okay. And then uh, Jeff Goblin for Bloody. For Bloody, yeah. I need someone for Kathy Bates. Oh, she could be Helen Peters. She could be Helen Peters. Who's Helen Peters? Helen Peters was Elijah's sister in law, who was the one who said, Let the Ouija board tell us, or at yeah. the time it was, Let the talking board tell us what it wants to be named. Helen Peters, Kathy Bates. Yes. Definitely. I can't imagine Kathy Bates as, you know, a little house on the prairie kind of lady, like who doesn't really, like she she has to be a badass. She just mm-hmm. has to Absolutely. be. Now, my funny little weird things that I have on the bottom here. 
the Ouija board marketer William Fold, uh, William Fold, Fold, F U L D. Uh, he felt now. See, this is where people have to be super, super careful where they're getting their information from. I directly copied and pasted this just to to mention this one piece. It says the Ouija board marketer William fell to his death while supervising the construction of a three-story Ouija board factory in Baltimore. That's not what happened. What happened was he was supervising the replacement of the flagpole. So the building was already built. It's a three-story building. It was already built. And the iron kind of railing that he was leaning on somehow gave way and he fell three stories to his death. Now, I read this and I was like, that's not, that doesn't sound like the original story I read. And then when I went more into it, obviously the story had been severely embellished upon because somebody said, yes, he fell off the three-story roof, but then he caught himself on a windowsill because that's some Tom Cruise stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Caught himself on the windowsill, but the sash window, you know, the ones that you push up? Yeah. Um, the sash window closed by itself, slammed on his fingers and he let go and he fell to the ground and he was in a heap, but he was still alive. Now for... Uh, my sister and all of the other fellow Hannahs out there, this bit's a bit woof. He fractured a rib. He was still okay. The ambulance that was bringing him to the hospital hit a pothole and one of his fractured ribs perforated his heart and killed him. So either he just hit a run of bad luck or he fell off a three-story building. Either way, it's a horrific way to go. Uh, well, you could can, you can say that he died. It's not pleasant. That, you just, that, that's all you need to say. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't have it written down, but... The Fox sisters, no more than four years, possibly as far as five, but definitely no more than five years after they came clean, every single one of them died. Two of them from poverty. One of them, I couldn't figure out what the other one was. They all died. The truth kills. I swear to God. Second thing I have here is Elijah Bond, the man who patented the Ouija board, has a Ouija board on the back of his tombstone. So it was erected in 2007 by Ouija board collector and historian Robert Murch. I just think that's absolutely mad. Now, don't be rude. Leave the man in peace. Don't be using his tombstone as a Ouija board because that's just rude. But I just think that's so cool. Like, if you were ever... Not that I can't think of anyone who would have it as a hobby, but it would be kind of cool if you just went like looking for gravestones of old people so that you knew, I don't know, where it's William. Just working with, with like physically. I, I swear to God, I will show you a picture a of it later. No, not a planchette. You have to bring your own planchette. Don't bring your own planchette. Leave the man a piece. But there is his full details, usual, rest in peace, died from, or was born this year, died this year, left behind, such and such. And on the back of it, a full. All the numbers, all the letters, the hello not all goodbye. The no, not all the numbers. Full, a full Ouija board. I just thought it was mad. Um, the third thing I have there is during the 1890s, the Ouija board was marketed as a fun dating activity, uh, often depicted members of the opposite sex sitting at a table and playing the game of Ouija. Now, a lot of people seem to think that you have to play Ouija board on a table and you have to have the planchette and blah, blah, blah. The way you were actually supposed to play it and the reason it was marketed as a fun dating game was this is back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, all the way up as far as like the 40s and maybe not 50s, but 40s, when you were not allowed to be in a room by yourself without a chaperone with another man. So the way the game had to be played wasn't on a table. You had to sit knee to knee. So if you and I sit knee to knee and then the table or the sorry the Ouija board would sit across our laps so our knees would be touching (gasps) electricity and then with the planchette what you had to do is you had to put your two index fingers together 
Um, so you'd use your two index fingers and your two middle fingers. And my middle fingers would be touching your middle fingers on the planchette. Basically, it was just a lot of pent up sexual tension. Your and it was just, still get pregnant. Oh, I swear to God, Stephen. Uh, but we'd have a whole lot of Ouija babies, which would be adorable. Okay, maybe not adorable, whatever. Terrifying. But, <laughs> but I just thought it was really, really weird. Like, they would literally find any way to, oh, yeah, let's have a goddamn seance. I'm like, mm, okay, but then at the same time, are you okay with your great, 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 great granny seeing what you're doing? No, I'm sorry. Don't be touching that boy's knee. Um, the next thing I had there, and this I thought was a bit mad, so I actually found two of these. In 1994, Stephen Young, a convicted murderer, was granted a retrial for the murder of Harry and Nicola Fuller when information emerged that four of the members of the jury that convicted him consulted a Ouija board before the final decision because they couldn't come up with a unanimous vote. They couldn't make a decision. Now, what he was still convicted anyway in the end, so it was it was irrelevant. All but the jury used Ouija board, yeah. <laughs> but it was the very first time a Ouija board was brought into court. Not physically brought into court, but like the, the concept of one being brought into court um, because they used it in their hotel room, so it obviously didn't make its way yeah. into the courtroom. I mean, the, the judge isn't sitting there going, give us a shot. Um, but she ended up having to call a retrial because... The Ouija board was consulted and apparently it's not a legitimate means. And I'm like, okay, and people just guessing, oh yeah, I suppose he might be guilty. That's mm-hmm. so much better. Consult the Ouija board. Well, that's basically what they were doing. They were basically, what's the term you use? The, Planchetting? No, the muscular... Uh, uh, idiomotor. Idiomotoring. <laughs> it's all in the That's term. what I like to call They were idiomotoring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, funny, funny thing you should mention earlier that the uh, priest who was saying, burn all your Harry Potter books as well as your Ouija boards. Yeah. Transpires that maybe he was onto something because Miss Harry Potter herself is transphobic. Stop. Am I right in saying that? I don't know. J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Oh. We'll check this before we send it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check that because that could really affect her publishing. Oh, yeah. She's not a big fan base anymore. Yeah, I can't imagine that she would. Cause... Yeah, and I, I actually read in the article she she was pushing transphobic uh, paraphernalia into, into her stories kind of on the top of this is big and the which is weird though because they have actually touched off the fact that uh oh your sister's gonna kill me um dumbledore and what's his face can't remember his name johnny depp played his character anyway in fantastic beasts there there's been a play on the fact that the two of them are together so it's weird that she'd write about one thing and then not anyway We'll, we'll, we'll check it before we put it in. The last thing I have there is in the murder trial of Joshua Tucker, his mother insisted that he had carried out the murders while possessed by the devil when she found him using a Ouija board. Now, I've tried to look up the, jo- the Joshua Tucker murder. The only thing that I could actually find on a Joshua Tucker murdered anybody was a Joshua Tucker who murdered his dad. Um, he had severe, severe mental issues. He literally thought that people were trying to, uh, people were killing his family and then impersonating them, kind of like a changeling thing going on. Um, like he shot into a ceiling because he thought there were people living in his attic. He carved holes in his walls so that he could put lights in, I think, and see if there were people living in the walls. He uh, he just, I, oh, like it's it's a horrible situation when you have mental illness. But then when you kill your dad, you're kind of like, Janie Mackers. But I couldn't find anything about, I couldn't find anything definitive. So I I, I, I thought that the two of them maybe correlated a little bit because yeah. it clearly had some demons one way or another, whether it be a Ouija board or not. Um, 
But that's all I have. I have no other random facts because I mentioned them all in the story. They're cool though. Yeah? They're good facts, yeah. I thought it was really, really interesting because I, I thought I knew about the Ouija board and I knew that there was a bit of a, a changeover in hands at, like throughout the years and that it went through different companies and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know... I didn't know how much of an effect and I thought I read up enough about it when we were reading or when we were doing the Winchester episode. I didn't realise how much people relied so heavily on, no, I'm not accepting that this is the answer. I need to know that my mm. loved one is OK. Yeah. And it's it's crazy the lengths that people went to instead of just relying on... Um, and <laughs> No. And oh, that was another one I found out as well. This mother tried to convince everybody that her daughter was possessed um, and that she was a good Catholic girl. And then it turned out that she admitted afterwards, she was like, no, I took a hallucinogenic and used a widget board. And I was just kind of like, okay, cool. You do you. Whatever your Saturday night is, that's okay. Vindication. <laughs> I've always said along. It's, it's drugs. All drugs. It's always it's drugs. All drugs. Well, so you have no more questions for me? No, no more no. questions. So can I say my words? Say your words. Okay. So if you have any questions or queries on today's episode or any other episode, you can DM us on our Instagram. It's What's the Story Ghost. And if you have any personal experiences that you would like to share, you can email us on What's the Story Ghost at gmail.com. And on that note, exit jingle. <laughs> Bye. Bye.